Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. He's introduced you to great coffee. Congratulations! World's best cup of coffee. Great music. Good win in a wrestling match. Lemmy or God? Lemmy. God. Wrong, Dick. Trick question. Lemmy is God. Great travel. That's the dream. It's not the destination. It's the journey. All things to enrich your life. If you're good at what you do, people will recognize that. Now, he's ready to tackle itself. Whoop-de-doo. What does it all mean? With some great guests with even better life stories. Yes, even better than how he almost failed grades 2, 4, and 7. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. You're listening to the Brenton on Tour Lifecast. Here's BD. Hey, everybody. It is the Brenton on Tour podcast, and I am talking to you through the brand new Blue Yeti X from Blue Microphones, who are now powering the Brenton on Tour podcast. I am stoked. They sent me a brand new pair of MixFi headphones as well and a trusty little arm that I can put on the desk and put in front of my face because, you know, no one wants to see my face, but uh, maybe you like to listen. Who knows? But it's going to be on YouTube this episode and all the episodes moving forward. So, hey, it's all there for you to check out. I couldn't be happier to have them on board. Uh, They are now powering the Brenton on Tour podcast. And a huge thanks to Blue Microphones for helping me out, as well as my friends at Partake. You've been hearing me talk about them for a couple episodes now. The whole LifeCast series, they're on board, non-alcoholic beer. They've got, uh, you know, five different brands. They've got a blonde. They've got a pale. They've got an IPA. They've got a red. They've got a stout. I mean, 10 calories, vegan, gluten-free. I mean, amazing. So awesome if you're just kind of, you know, going to a party or especially if we're coming up on the holiday season and some of these things and it's like, hey, man, we want to keep the drinking and driving down or, hey, maybe you're uh, trying to kick the booze and this is a great alternative if you just uh, need a craft beer that actually tastes like beer. That's uh, pretty cool. So huge thanks to them for jumping on board and uh, sponsoring the podcast as well. So as mentioned, we are moving forward with Blue Microphones and that starts on this episode this week with Rain Maida from Our Lady Peace, huge Canadian band, one of our most successful uh, Canadian rock band stories, and uh, Rain's here to talk about his journey, his life right now as a dad, touring, um, all the different things he's been up to. He might even, you know, dive a little bit into brand new music uh, from his band, so you're going to have to listen and pay a little bit of attention to that as we move forward, but he's an old friend. Uh, always making time for the little guys like me, and uh, I couldn't be happier to have them. So it is the Brenton on Tour podcast, Lifecast with Rain Maida. Here we go. Welcome, everybody, to the Brenton on Tour podcast. It's the life section. I am joined by an old touring friend, uh, Mr. Rain Maida, Our Lady Peace. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you, Brent? I'm doing okay, man. I'm just, uh, you know, I'm... Uh, <laughs> These late night Zoom session podcasts, I always commend my guests that make the time for it because uh, somebody like yourself that's super, super slammed and busy, 
I'm assuming that uh, this is the last thing you want to do. So thank you, sir, for making the time to come on today. Oh, God. Yeah, no, don't be. Uh, yeah, this is actually uh, it's kind of nice to end the day on a conversation and not like a business Zoom or in a studio or fighting with my kids. I mean, isn't it funny how we really up until March, it was phones and texts. Maybe there was a FaceTime in there, but this is. Everything is Zoom all the time now. It's crazy. Yeah, I know. It's a, I know, it's, man. I, I start my day with Zooms for like three hours, which is pretty, pretty new to me. And I'm still, I'm not, it's not, it's not like I'm getting used to it. I'm definitely used to it. But um, it is, you're, I don't know. I find like I'm not, I don't prepare for it as much because you just hop on, you just press, you know, that link and you're on. And, there's something psychologically where I'm, I'm just, I don't, it's not that I don't treat it seriously, but I'm, I'm like literally doing something. I'm like, Oh shit, I got to zoom. And I go do it. And you know, you're all of a sudden you're engaged in like heavy stuff and like real business stuff. And it's, it's pretty wild. It kind of puts you right in it. You know, it's very interesting to me. So, yeah. Um, listen, I, uh, I, this life cast is kind of focusing on my guest sort of life and a bit of journey. Um, we, uh, I connected a couple months ago, just again on uh, just because it was getting crazy for you with Juju and stuff, which we'll touch on. But um, I actually, outside of all the business and stuff, I just wanted to get you on to kind of chat about the journey of Rain Meta, you know, through that process of, of, of um, you know, trying to break through and, and, and make it as the band and then maintain it and all these different things that we've gone through. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty crazy <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Know, to see where it's kind of gone. So um, Toronto boy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, if you go back, I mean, I, I think the thing about creativity for me, has always been that one part. If I, if I go back to like my journey, it, even to like fourth grade, I remember this little Catholic school I went to in Sobico, just outside of Toronto. I, I remember loving creative writing. And I think what's been constant through my life is just trying to hang on to that creative spark, you know, because I knew I had it as a, like I said, I don't know when you are in fourth grade, but as a seven or eight year old, like I actually had something and then it kind of went away for a while and then I was able to reconnect with it. And now it's just like hanging on to it for dear life. So excuse me, whether it's music or tech producing, writing, like anything, you know, I don't paint, but watching my wife paint, just trying to always stay around it is really, um, really crucial to like my life force. And I've, I've kind of like tried to set myself up so it's always around me, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, once you get a taste of it and then you start, you know, hence, I don't make music anymore, so I started a podcast, you know? And you're too yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to keep, keep going and to at least have uh, great conversations and learn things about people. And I always find that they're really great conversations um, and you get to learn a little bit about the journey, which is important to me to teach, especially now, acts trying to break it. I mean, there's a million ways to try to break it, but coming through the process that you guys had to come through to, um, you know, get to, to that level is, is almost a ancient history. Now there's a really, there's a new process to, to doing it and kind of the same. Was it a musical house for you? Like, or a creative house for you that sparked that or did something kind of, you found that on your own? No, I definitely found it on my own. You know, I, I went away to school in high school and then um, I made a, I made a real effort because I found kind of music when I was 16. My parents split up a year before and I really just would like 
kind of just dive into like Gabriel and the Stones and the Clash and and just Rush and all these like any any artists that had albums that you could listen to like all the way through you know so like real kind of you know that that kind of career type artist U2 definitely early on and, and REM and stuff and so I just got lost in that and it became a bit of a like a religion to me and so that's where I, I really started to connect. It's like, oh, yeah, I remember, I remember I really loved creative writing when I was young. I, I just am so, um, I got so lost in, in lyrics and words by the artists that I'm talking about, Neil Young. And, and it became one of these things where it's like, yeah, I want to do that. I don't, I want to write words, but I guess if I'm going to explore that, I probably need to sing them, I guess. So it was about picking up a guitar going through my journals, just kind of like I'm totally self-taught because of that need just to express myself. And um, after after high school, I stayed in Toronto. I went to U of T, um, but it was like, let's find a band. So it all started in Toronto and just kind of like anything, you know, worked my ass off, but it takes luck. We got a record deal and, and continue to work our asses off. You know, it's like it, it, no matter where you are, in that creative journey. I think that's what I was trying to get at earlier. It's like, you just want to continue to have that inspired kind of, I don't know, baseline at least when you go to do something, because I've, I've had moments in our career, like there's, you know, like any career, there's peaks and valleys where I haven't felt that inspired, where I felt like, why am you know, not why am I doing this, but it just doesn't have that juice anymore. So being able to reconnect with it is, is really important. That's, um, I'm fascinated by the lyric process, you know, writing lyrics. And you hear about it all the time about bands, the structure of a band between, uh, well, they write the music and he writes the lyrics or vice versa. And you hear all the funny stories about like a you know, hilarious story years ago when Metallica were like, we're going to spread the lyrics around. And it was, <laughs> and it was like, no, 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 we're not, we're not doing that anymore. And I'm always amazed when I, when you, when you hear something that resonates with somebody um does that start with the melody for you like you kind of hum it and you're going oh wait i've got this i've got this in my journal or you're kind of going to a place to write that lyric that's going to hook people in it, yeah it's different i i definitely keep journals um to this day i still even write some journals out even though we all, all use notes on our iphones but i think the like the magic for me and i try to do this every morning i grab a coffee I, I, I do whatever business shit I got to do. And then I grab a guitar and it's really about like finding that moment where you maybe start for me, I start finger picking. It's usually an acoustic guitar. So I start finger picking or playing chord progression or something, start humming a melody and then a layer pops out. And when those three things come together in that moment and it's singular in the sense of it's just me, it's like Eureka. And then it happens as well. Like, you know, we don't do it as much anymore, especially during COVID, but like on stage before a show or at a sound check and the bands just, they start something and I vibe off that and a lyric and a melody comes. Sometimes that's just as powerful, but the purity of doing it on your own, I will say there's something incredibly special about that. But I, I am all for it. Like, you know, there's this, the, the, well, he's got a new single. We just did a record with Dave Siddick from TV on the radio for spiritual machines part two. And the, the first single is a song called stop making stupid people famous. I had that lyric for two years. That, that was something I'm, you know, you start drilling down on, I got kids, I'm seeing them on social media. 
I'm one of my good friends used to run VH1 and MTV and he's kind of the guy that, um, you know, he's an incredible music aficionado and fan. At the same time, he's part of that whole, you know, all of a sudden, how does a guy from, from, um, or sorry, you know, I guess it was Paris Hilton has a show first, but then Flavor Flav, how does he, he has a reality show? What's happening here? You know, it's like from Fight the Power, now he's on this really cheesy reality. It's just, you follow those breadcrumbs. Anyway, this lyric comes out and I, and I was like, okay, that I gotta, I have to make sure that that has the right platform as in terms of a track or a song. So I just held on to that until something came about. And yeah, I, I think that's the key. It's like never, never pushing stuff away. You let stuff in and the stuff that's not great, you just let it filter through. But the stuff that sticks, man, it's, it's so worth hanging on to. And it's just waiting, sometimes being patient for that moment and stop making stupid people famous is kind of like an exercise in patience for me. Did you, um, do you remember the first song, that first uh, song? I'm not talking about first hit, like going back to Navid or anything like that. I'm talking about when you wrote a song and you're like, I could do this. And man, did I ever just do it well? This is the song. Holy shit. This is great. Like, you know what I mean? What was that? Was there a song in particular that you kind of hit for you and you're like, okay, I'm in all the way now. <laughs> this is it. Yeah. I, I think it was, it was a bit of, um, I, I was, uh, I just met Chantel and she was on, I don't, we, we weren't able to be in the same city, but we were, we were definitely friendly and we were talking to each other one night and she just had this really, um, really interesting way as a female and as just, I think another artist, we had, we would have these long conversations from like one till four in the morning, a lot when we were just first kind of dating, but weren't around each other. And so, you know, started, she was able to pull stuff out of me that no one ever had. And so we started talking about, you know, my, my parents were divorced. What's that like? Her parents are together, just relationships with my mom, with my dad. And, and, and all of a sudden it, it spirals into this kind of like cathartic, just discussion on, on life and, and what divorce does and, and how you can become disconnected from a partner. Anyway, 4am kind of pops out. And I wrote that song basically right after I hung up the phone, the phone with her, I called our engineer, we were making clumsy and I called our engineer and said, Hey, do you mind meeting me like a few hours early before everyone comes in at like one? And I just want to lay something down. So I went in and recorded that song and the, and the record was pretty close to being done. Clumsy was almost like almost done. Um, and I was there and everyone kind of walks in and say, hey, what's going on? I said, Oh, you know what? I had this idea last night. And so I was really, really nervous to play it for anyone. And I think that's the epitome of um, how does this affect you as like a human? And throughout Naveed, throughout the making of Clumsy, I was always trying to get there. And I was always close, I felt. But I played 4AM for everyone. And they just kind of like, everyone was speechless. And I was like, oh, shit, this must really suck. Or pause everyone took a beat and then they were just like, wow. And so that, that kind of like, um, I don't know, it's courage is way too, too heavy, but just having, having the wherewithal to like be that raw, I guess for me, cause I'd never really spoken about anything as personal that I kind of tend to hide behind lyrics. And I think for me as a songwriter, I actually respect that in terms of not just giving it up and making it so succinct where someone knows exactly what you're talking about because it takes some mystery out of it. 
But this case, this song, it really made me feel like, okay, there's an artistry that I was able to tap into, maybe just for this moment, but um, definitely elevated the, the sense of songwriting for me. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's uh, that must have been an amazing feeling because coming off of the success already of Navid and just the monster of that record, and then you clumsy as you said, clumsy's almost done. Uh, this is a classic story you always hear. Well, the record was done, <laughs> and then or it was almost done, and then we wrote this song, and then next thing you know, it's it's and there's no denying how huge that song was. So, man, that was a that was a time, and I I um, there were so many bands breaking in Canada at that time. And I wanted to, I, I, I don't know if I've ever asked you this question, but how many shows did you guys play before it really kicked in as far as the record deal and everything? Because everyone was around then, right? Like, I mean, our, yeah. I'm, of I'm of the Earth was playing. I think the Tea Party were around, Moist. All these bands were kind of all breaking, or at the very least, it yeah, seemed we like were, you were like, all giant at the same time. <laughs> yeah, we were definitely a little bit later, in, just in terms of like getting our record out. And it didn't really click for us right away because... Um, I don't know. We put the first single off of, the, of Naveed was a song called The Birdman, and it really wasn't a single single. You know, Moist had like real kind of hit songs, and Tea Party had more like radio. And this, The Birdman was like, wasn't that song for us. So, um, but, and I think even our, our label was like, it's, you know, they just saw it as a slow build. And so it was wild because we were out there busting our butts, but like we were first on every festival. And I'm Mother Earth and Moist and um, other Sloan, other bands were like, they'd already kind of like cracked that first level. So they were killing it. And we were like, you know, the little guys in our little school bus or van kind of still doing it. But I mean, it, it was, it was always uh, inspiring, which was cool because I, you know, I was big fan of, uh, of Jag and his guitar playing. And I love the way that record sounded. Um, and it was just, you know, it just felt like Canada was finally on the map in terms of like having its own scene and having music that was really credible and was speaking to like the youth. So we were fine to like ride the wave. And and then slowly, you know, that record just kind of kept going and then started to happen in the States. And I think, you know, in typical fashion, it's like once it started to happen down here and, you know, Starseed started to get on the radio, alternative radio down in the U.S., it's like, okay, um, Canada kind of took notice and that's when the ascent for, for at least for OLP started. Was there ever a moment for you though, when you at coming through that, where it was like, well, I went to school, I guess I can go do this. If this doesn't go, how close were you to maybe not going all the way with it? Like stopping? Uh, yeah. I, I never even thought of that. I just, I think once we started, I think once we started recording the V, the, the, just the kind of kinetic, energy of being a band being in a studio and then making music that you're and we didn't care about the business i knew nothing about the business like it really re- literally i don't even i don't even remember what our first our, rec- our record deal with sony was probably for like 40 grand you know what i mean like it was never about the money it was never about like posturing and you know the, i remember i'm on the earth 
because I knew I knew that story. It's like those guys signed a huge deal, like a co-deal with Capital in the U.S. and whatever label in Canada, and it was like millions of dollars. And they went to L.A. to record their deal. Like we were stuck in Etobicoke in this, you know, in our producer studio, which at that point, like his first, it was pretty pretty modest to say the least. Like literally eating Taco Bell, you know, Subway, making making music, but never thinking anything less of it and it was that that excitement and so from then you know getting on the road and getting it out there and 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 you know definitely getting to see cities that i've never seen and being down in the u.s in terms of all these states and cities we've never been with and playing with amazing bands even though we were the small guys on the totem pole at that point it was like you just you just felt like there's there's a there's a trajectory here and we just got to keep working like stopping at the cambridge mcdonald's in between kitchener and Toronto on that stop home oh every time God. the touring stop. How many big backs? Oh my God. That's the uh, Canadian uh, gold record uh, run there. That is, yeah. <laughs> anyways, um, you found a lot of the same people around you guys a long time, but just you in, in particular, management, agent wise, you guys have, yeah. that's a rare story. We're you know? pretty loyal, maybe to a fault sometimes, but I, th- I think it's worked out like it's, to us, it's all about the people, you know, because it's, there are so many, once, once you've been in the business for long enough, you realize there are just so many, you know, kind of peaks and valley being an artist in terms of, I mean, a lot of it is based on your expectations as an artist, but I think just in general, you're just going to go through, you know, some amazing times and we have, and then you go some, there's some dark stuff. And I think if you don't have people around there that you trust, it just makes it exponentially um, more dire when it's dark. And that's, that's when bands. So bad around us, especially our, our, uh, our management and the, and the ability to basically, you know, I think lean on them in some of those times where it was like heavy. Um, through this process though, you've obviously met Chantel, you get married, you have the kids. What kind of, uh, I want to get into the balance of the of touring as as a as a uh, father and, and a husband and all the rest of it. Um, but I actually want to know what kind of father Rain Made is. I've seen it in action, but for the listener and watcher, what kind of dad is Rain Meta? What kind of time are you uh-huh. dividing up amongst the boys and and all this stuff? Yeah, I mean the boys come first, and and if I am on the road, like you know, we did that Bush Live tour. I think it was like forty three shows in the U.S. last summer every even if there's a day off and i had to fly from atlanta back to la spend 10 hours and then get back on a plane to make the next show i'm doing it so it really is it really is about just trying to be in the moment in these different little pods as much as i can and my kids obviously are one of the most important little pods so kind of yeah we kind of do anything and then we're you know i think the good thing is that we have um kids are all kind of into music a bit or a lot and uh that helps just in terms of them maybe just understanding when i am away for a minute like they get that part of it they get the creative part olp you know definitely when we're making records um will come and just kind of you know bunker down at, at our house when we're, when we're making a record and they 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 love it and and they love the energy of it i think they love the friendships of it um, so my kids are just, they're, they're pretty well versed in the lifestyle of being an artist. And so that just makes it easier. 
I mean, you get the balanced personalities, right? As of, you know, in the, with just managing a band and being a part of that process and the glue and sticking it together. But now you've got these little men floating around each with their own personality. So as a dad, I mean, I got a daughter and a son, each one of them completely different from the, the other. And I'm trying to balance that, yeah. that like, what is she into? What is he into? What does she require for time for me? I'm touring like, you know, right now I'm not, but I mean, I'm yeah. what, seven months a year in my, my regular gig. So it's pretty busy out there. Um, so did you have any struggle with that? And this is me asking you as a father to a father, that balance of like learning each kid and trying to find your way through it. Or do you guys just collectively have all come together? Uh, and you, or is it a balance? Cause it's very interesting to me to try yeah. to balance that. I think kids are so intuitive, right? I think they kind of let you know, even if it's in more subversive ways, but you, you know, we get to see when, when they need attention or when they need something from you. And so even on the road, you know, I, I think, I don't know, I don't know if it, it, would, it would have been a very, very um, kind of probably more difficult situation without things like this, without zoom, without FaceTime. Cause that, that just having that ability to see your kid's face if if i'm gone for a couple of weeks or they need to connect with me before a show or or after a show or whatever they you know that is much different than just talking on the phone like it's it, it's you you might think it's subtle but i'm sure you know it's like being able to 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 just go into private and hang with your kid it's it changed everything so, for me touring wise when my daughter yeah. was old enough to do skype at the time or how far we've come yep. <laughs> it's only a couple yeah. months in, but it's like being able to do that was, I was able to parent from actually parent from touring, like, you know, giving yeah. my wife a break who works nights and being able to be like, all right, well, no, let mommy sleep. I got this. I'm sure I'm in Germany, but I, did you do your homework or are you taking care of your brother? And, and it's, it just added a whole level of easy. I tell you, man, something I'll be up in my room. Or I'll be up in the studio and um, like, one of my sons will FaceTime me anyway. Like I could be any, I can be in Austria. They're, like they're in their room. I'm like, dude, like I'm right here. What are you doing? And that's just kind of the way they communicate. So the transition when you're on the road, like it is, it is, it's a much, uh, a much easier thing with, uh, with FaceTime for sure. I, I have to tell you, I think I have to commend you on something that I, uh, years ago when we, um, one of the tours and I, and I don't know if it was OLP or if it was, um, with you and Chantel, on its own i have a feeling it was olp and um you always made like at dinner time you would make time to skype in with them if you were away and you would skype in yeah. with them to eat dinner with them I, I can't remember if it was every single day but i remember you're like it has to happen i have to make sure that i'm 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 messing i'm having we're having dinner every night so it's a bit of normalness and i was yeah, like, i think i'm stealing that sorry buddy yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean no, that's a good point. I think that's what you learn early on. It's like kids, that's what they react to is consistency, right? And that's when they start to freak out if if they don't have that consistency. So it's, you know, it's definitely time zones, hotels, buses, not easy, but you can find a little bit of that every day. I think it definitely goes a long way. Yeah. Um, are you still enjoying it? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the Chantal and I making you know, making our documentary, doing Remember Son was a great um, extension of like how I see myself as a songwriter, as a collaborator. Um, and then, 
that probably led into this new LP record, you know, working with Dave Siddick, who I've been, um, you know, um, just a, a huge fan of, I'm a massive TV on the radio fan, like literally one of my favorite fans of all time. Um, and then Dave is the best producer that I've ever worked with just in terms of his ability to produce music and, and understand songs, but then his creative ability, um, other stuff on on guitar on bass um the way he programs he's like he's a genius he's a mad fucking genius and it's an honor literally to work with him so um that's elevated i think where olp maybe you know because we could have easily probably done this record on our own again but it just infused a whole another element of um of you know of creativity and and fire so i i I, I legitimately think there are moments on this new Spiritual Machines 2 record that just by far some of the best stuff OLP's ever done. Not that you need to break it on here, but when are we expecting that? Yeah, I think this the single, like probably right before Christmas, and then um, the uh, the album just shortly after in the new year. Um, I'll, I know you got to roll. I got a couple, one, a couple for you here. Um, as this process is happening and you're making the record, it reminded me to ask you, what was the toughest record for you to make personally? Absolutely healthy and paranoid times, like a really difficult record. We did it with Bob Rock after we'd done Gravity. Gravity did really well. We went back out to Maui. For some reason, it just didn't click with me. Like, even though Gravity, we did there, everything was, you know, when everything's new and you, you know, like when you're driving to somewhere new and you don't really, it feels like it's taking forever. So you don't, because you don't really take it all in. Once you've done it, when you go back there to that place, it's like, oh, it just took 10 minutes and I know the directions, it was easy. Maui was kind of the same way. Like when the first time we were making Gravity, it was, everything was new and, and waves and salt air and the, the food and Bob's place. And, you know, Bob's a great guy and a great host that way. It was fun. But then to go make another record there, like freaked me out. And I, you know, then that panic attacks, I got shingles, but I, just, I got very stressed from the atmosphere because it was never what I was used to in terms of writing songs. Like I, I don't go sit outside in the sun and write a song. I'm, 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 I'm the, I'm the kind of guy that has to have something like brewing in me and um, like almost like an alien, like trying to get out. And it's usually more of a cathartic experience than this happy experience. So Maui was like this juxtaposition where it just didn't jive. And so we had struggled with Bob there and then we moved it out to Malibu. We moved it to Toronto on Metalworks, spent way too much money and nothing really came that was great from it. There, there's some moments for sure, but man, it was just like the, the struggle of trying to finish that record for, for those types of reasons was just not something we we never encountered before. And I was never used to like, you never want to spend a year on a record for me anyway. Like it was just too much time on the same things, the same riffs, the same lyrics. Like, I was just like, man, let's just scrap this thing and start fresh. But you know, at that point, especially after the success of gravity, we weren't able to do that. So we pushed through. And like I said, there's some moments on there, but overall, man, no, I, 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 I get the, I get to shakes thinking about that record. Uh, so, well, I mean, it sounds like you're on path for making a really great record coming up though, that you're super stoked about. So uh, everyone listening, uh, tune in around Christmas. That sounds like we got something rad on the way. Um, my friend Juju live. 
which uh, we've been talking about for a couple of months, but uh, man, it's a cool concept. How's it going for you over there? And, and let us know uh, what that's all about. Yeah. I mean, I've been, I've been in tech for the last 10 or 11 years on different projects and uh, my partners and I, we were, we were, we actually beta tested this really cool app for live music and um, kind of making it a little bit like sneaker culture when you had a live show and then COVID hit. And so um, part of uh, a company I work with called Human Collective out of Toronto, just an incredible team there. We flipped it to this thing, like saying, what's going on with music right now with, with COVID? It's like, how do we empower artists again? So we just, we just basically build Juju Live in like a few weeks. And, and it's really for that. It's really about empowering artists just to go make some money, create create a, a show that isn't a typical show because I know there's a lot of platforms that are doing like, Hey, we go into a big club and we do the lights and the sound and, you know, you just get that same experience at home. This is Juju Lies more about um, just creating something small. And, and it's funny, we've started having influencers from like TikTok do shows that aren't music at all on there and have huge success. So I don't know where it goes. Like I said, I'm, I'm involved in tech. I have another platform launching probably in, probably in a couple of weeks called Sing. That is, um, it's all about IP protection for artists and creators. This thing is so dope. Um, it's a very amazing um, blockchain kind of um, platform that I think, I think will be a game changer for artists. I, I, I've, I've needed it forever and every artist I've talked to has kind of needed it. You know, we need to protect what we create and there really isn't a, a system that helps artists do that. So that's pretty cool. And, you know, to just keep working on ideas and not everything in the music space, but, um, you know, creators definitely are, we're such high output these days as a creator. You know, I think mm -hmm. you feel the same, like you're doing podcasts. It's like, we, you know, it's not about just making a record every two years anymore. We write so many songs, you know, you make beats. I, I talk to so many different producers and, and engineers and artists that are just, you know, they are, they're hyper creative and that's an amazing thing, but need to protect that IP. So Sing is going to be a very cool app that does that. It's funny. You'd mentioned earlier about staying creative and surrounding yourself with creativity and, and it just launches 17 other things for you. So <laughs> I know. Right, yeah. Um, awesome, man. Um, all right. So almost time to get out of here. Just tell me what the life of rain made it is like right now. Yeah, it's, it's sing it's Juju live. It's OLP. My kids making a record that is phenomenal. Like my day starts at like seven 30 and I don't end until two 30 in the morning. It's pretty bananas right now, but Considering it's COVID, um, I'm pretty grateful that, you know, we're as busy as we are doing stuff. Awesome, man. Well, you made a little bit of the day for me today, and I can't uh, thank you enough, man. I've had uh, so many memories on tour uh, with you and your wife and your team, and everybody has been awesome, and uh, and uh, you played an integral role in my journey through the path, so I can't uh, thank you enough for making the time for me today, man. Oh, All man. the best with Juju Singh, new OLP. Uh, and the other 49 projects you brought it probably adding before <laughs> the end of the week. Uh, stay safe down there, man. Yeah. And uh, I guess you're staying in America yeah. now. You're not going to move home. So, Hey, you know, for now, for now, I mean, I, you know, we, we definitely, our hearts are in Canada for sure. So you never know. I never say never, man. Awesome. But great to hang. Great to connect. Thanks, friend.
Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. It is your favorite girl. That's right. It's the Ali Mars, the one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate.